Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. The S&P Valley, much of it is driven by the tech and AI popular names right now. So let's just check this out. Google is picking up currently, is screaming 7.5% to the upside in the last five days, although it did finish in the red at yesterday's session. Microsoft is on fire since the latest earnings release is up 8% for the month and 29% year-to-date. NVIDIA is up 96% since January. So without these names, which form a huge portion of the S&P, the S&P would actually be down 2% this year. So is the AI tech momentum still sustainable? Is this sector still an attractive proposition given that the moves that it has already made or and has this train moved off away into the next station? I'm artificially intelligent about this matter. So I shall now speak to someone who is truly intelligent, Mr. Vasu Menon, Executive Director, Investment <laughs> Strategy from OCBC Bank. He's with me today to break this down. Good morning, Mr. Vasu. Good morning, Sean, and thank you for that very kind compliment. Yeah, you're someone that's true. So could you truly intelligent and truly and intelligently tell us, is this AI, is it overhyped? Is you know, Given the, the, the type of gains that we've seen in some of these stocks, you know, some of them have just exploded to the upside. That's right, yeah. I mean, and so let me just touch a little bit more on what you just said a while earlier. Uh, if you look at the S&P 500 index, as you said, you know, it's up roughly about 288 points up to last Friday. And if you look at the breakdown, I was just looking at it a short while ago on my computer, you see that Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta and NVIDIA, as you said, accounts for 260 of the 288-point move. So in other words, 90% of the move of the S&P 500 index came from this six technology stocks. Part of it is driven by AI. Of course, without a doubt, AI has been a big driver of you know many of these tech stocks. But I think more than just AI, I think uh, the other reason why many of these tech stocks have also rallied and pushed the S&P 500 higher is because of the fact that, number one, uh, you know, they did terribly uh, They did terribly last year. They were down very sharply. And so, you know, there were fund managers, individuals who saw bargains in this sector. And I think the second uh, factor that weighed on the tech sector last year was the sharp increase in interest rates. Whereas this year, bond yields have come down sharply. The market expecting the you know rates to peak soon maybe even be reduced or cut and that has also benefited the tech sector because tech stocks are seen as long duration assets mm-hmm. and typically long duration assets tend to benefit when you know the market turns a bit more dovish on interest rates and the 10-year bond yields in the u.s have come down and that has really benefited the tech sector as well as to whether ai is sustainable whether this tech rally is sustainable i think technology is here to stay for the long term and it's clearly a sector that you need to have some money in but uh, you don't want to be carried away with what's happening in the sector you know uh, as you said nvidia is up 96 percent yeah you know there are some fundamental reasons for it but beyond that i think you've got to be careful when you see this this sort of uh, phenomenal price moves so you know it, when you look at ai nowadays right if you it's like all you need to do if you are a tech company is to do a press release that says something about AI and then this stock is going to go off to the races. <laughs> Not necessarily the case, but I think many companies are going to be trying that now. So right. what do you think that we should be focusing on nowadays since some com- of these companies are going to be trying that? You know, We are going to be presented with yet another AI story coming out of these companies. What, what, how will you read these things? Well, you know, indeed, a very good point because, uh, I mean, I've been in the industry for you know close to 35 years right now. And I've seen this happen in 1999, 2000, when a lot of companies just attached the word .com oh, yes, to I the end of their names. Yeah. If you remember that, 
you know, and that caused their stock prices to go skyrocketing. Uh, but eventually, the you know, the, the tech bubble burst, the dot-com bubble burst, and many of these companies, which had no clear underlying business, okay, no clear strategy, no clear vision, just simply the word dot-com, simply an aspirational statement, they came tumbling down. So I think the key thing is when you see this sort of thing, I think you want to go two, three levels below that and ask yourself, is this company really getting into the AI space? Does it, is this company suited uh, for the AI space? Is this business model uh, something that you know can leverage on AI? No? And so I think you need to dig deeper and see whether it's uh, for real or whether it's purely an aspirational statement that many of these uh, companies may put out. You know? And uh, the other thing to bear in mind is that, of course, you don't just jump in simply because a company says that it's uh, thinking of going to AI. Because, you know, AI is still something that's in early stages, still formative stages. It'll go through bruises and bumps. And so you must be ready for that volatility. And, you know, uh, if you're not, then you don't want to overinvest uh, in this area as well. You want to be invested in the area because this is the future, but you don't want to be care- get carried away no matter what you read. Even if the company has a fundamental business, I think you need to tread with caution. Well, you know, I was uh, looking at the news last week and you know, they said that Google... And I think it was Wendy's, they had this tie-up that we're going to have AI in the drive throughs And I was looking at it and I was thinking, we are having a lot of problems already doing self-checkout at the supermarket and now you want us to order drive through with an AI? <laughs> Why? <laughs> wow, that, that's just, it just blows my mind. But anyway, of course, let's look in the bigger picture. Markets, they failed to race away yesterday. And uh, by the way, you know, the, the, the S&P's decline of 0.3% last week, uh, it may not seem like a very big move, but it did mark a sixth straight session, a sixth straight week without a 1% move. And that's the longest stretch of inertia since late 2019, isn't it? So what does that mean? Indeed. Well, it's a very interesting piece of statistics that you just highlighted. And I think it highlights the fact that the markets are suffering from, from some degree of fatigue, tiredness. In the last one and a half years or so, we've been bombarded with so much of bad news. Inflation, the Ukraine war, higher interest rates, higher bond yields, you know, geopolitical tension, you name it, the list goes on. And now, of course, the US debt ceiling debacle that's playing out in Washington. So, you know, investors are a bit tired. Uh, you know, very often some of these things had been get cleared up in three to six months, but, you know, this has been dragging on. And I think the performance of the market reflects the fact that, you know, investors are suffering some degree of fatigue. The problem is that even, uh, you know, even looking out over the next three to six months, you can't see clarity. There's no clear transparency as to whether some of these headwinds will clear up eventually. You know, they're still playing out. There's no certainty. Uh, there's no clarity. And, uh, you know, so I think investors are sitting on the edge and very nervous and, you know, which is why the markets are not uh, moving in any big way. So, so on that note of... Uh we are looking at very, a very highly anticipated recession in history. One of the most highly anticipated, in fact. And, well, some say it's not yet arrived, some say it's arrived. Investors are really not sure if it will and how bad it will be. So it's just not a very comfortable position we're in right now, isn't it? You know, when we look at that, we look at U.S.-China tensions. Of course, you mentioned the Ukraine uh, conflict. That's been dragging out for a very long time as well. That's right. That's so how do you navigate this sticky pool of uncertainties that's affecting the markets? Okay, I think if you take a short-term view, that's going to be pro- problematic because if you're a trader, you're looking to make short-term gains, you are taking a very short-term view, that's problematic because there are too many two centers in the markets and it's very difficult to predict and read the markets in the short term. Now, if you're a medium to long-term investor, I think there's still hope, you know, because volatility is a two-sided point. On the one side, you have risk. On the other side, you can create opportunities as well. The markets have been bombarded with so much bad news uh, in the last one and a half years or so, as I said. And so, you know, I think the moment we have some breath of fresh air, good news, you can see a big rally because there's a lot of money sitting on sidelines waiting to jump back into the markets. And I think, you know, if you look ahead over the next two to three years, at some stage, the Fed is going to win the battle against inflation. 
Foundation. I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, that's exactly what happened in between 1979 and 1982 when Paul Walker fought inflation. Uh, for two and a half years, the markets went through a difficult period. But after that, when inflation battle was won by the Fed, the markets rallied over a five-year period by more than 200%. So I think if you're a medium-term investor, you know, I think these are times when you have an opportunity to pick up bargains, but you need to have patience. You cannot be looking at the weighing scale every other day or you lose, uh, you know, motivation and hope. And of course, when we look, talk about the, uh, medium, the short-term, medium-term, let's look at the long-term, right? And of course, the most long-term of all will be, of course, Warren Buffett. And he, but he seems to be having a bit less love for stocks recently. Berkshire Hathaway has been selling more stocks in the last quarter. Uh, in fact, they are net seller of uh, stocks. They have bought $2.9 billion, but they sold more than $13 billion. So where can we put our money then if not in stocks? Because that seems like what he's doing as well. Well, yeah, uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway may be taking a, a different approach to investing in the markets. I mean, they're pretty good investors without a doubt. But I think, you know, one has to take a diversified approach towards investments at this juncture. Uh, and I know you've heard this many, many times, but, you know, I think it's quite important, especially at this juncture, when the markets are facing a lot of volatility, uncertainty. So never throw all your eggs in one basket. For example, we talk about AI, we talk about technology. You don't want to throw all your eggs into that particular basket, no matter how attractive it looks like. So where we see opportunities in stocks, we see opportunities in Chinese equities, we see opportunities in Asia and Japan equities, and we also see, you know, in the medium term opportunities, perhaps even in US and European equities as well, because of the US Federal Reserve tax rates uh, next year, uh, that's our view, uh, that's going to give the US stock market a, a boost upwards. So there are opportunities in the equity markets, but you've got to be patient. In the bond markets, we see opportunities in investment-grade bonds, which are a good hedge against recession. And we like long-duration investment-grade bonds because long-duration assets tend to do better when interest rates are cut. So, uh, so therein lies you know, our, our view on where we see some of the opportunities. Gold as well. We think gold is an interesting proposition. Interest rates cut. U.S. dollar weakens, good for gold prices, world full of uncertainty, again, good for gold prices. So I think there are pockets of opportunities, uh, but I think important for investors to diversify, put their eggs in a few baskets, uh, some of the areas that I mentioned. And, you know, I think more importantly, to spread your investments out gradually over the next, uh, perhaps, nine months, 12 months, dollar cost average, you know, face your investments in uh, drip feed, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, essentially, don't throw all your money into the markets at this point in time because we know all these uncertainties we talk about are, is going to create quite a bit of volatility and uh, uh, you need to keep some dry powder for opportunities and markets pull back sharply. That's very, very wise. So many, many things to unpack over the next three weeks and uh, let's just hope that some calm hits are going to prevail. Thank you very much uh, and have a good day ahead, sir. Thank you, Sean, and thanks for having me on the show and uh, my best wishes to all your viewers as well. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.